A new national report shows that reading scores have not improved among fourth and eighth graders, and most of those students are not reading at a proficient level. The report is called the National Assessment of Educational Progress, or NAEP. Sometimes it's referred to as the nation's report card. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos called the news devastating. Today, the report card will be opened by moms and dads across America. And it pains me to say they're not going to like what they see. From APM Reports, this is Educate. I'm Stephen Smith. Our senior correspondent, Emily Hanford, has spent several years reporting on how schools teach reading. I've asked her to come and talk with me about the findings from the National Assessment for Educational Progress and what they say about the effectiveness of reading instruction in the U.S. We'll also talk about how educators and politicians are responding to the results. Yes, NAEP. It is also known as the Nation's Report Card. And the purpose of the test is to track achievement over time so we can see how we're doing as a nation. The test is actually mandated by Congress. It has to be done. And it is the only test that allows us to compare in an, like an apples-to-apples way how students are doing in different states. So states have their own tests that are designed to provide information about how individual students are doing and how individual schools and districts are doing. But this nation's report card NAEP test is different. It is actually the same test given to a representative sample of about 600,000 students in public and private schools across the country. The results are reported for each state, and there are actually 27 large urban school districts that participate in NAEP, too, so you can see results for those districts. The NAEP scores that were just released give us a picture of how students are doing when it comes to math and reading in particular in fourth and eighth grades. There are other NAEP tests, but the the news this week is about fourth and eighth grade reading and math. Why those grades? Those are the grades that Congress picked for us to choose to get a representative idea of how we're doing. There are some tests in 12th grade, too, and in other subject areas. We're going to focus in this podcast episode on reading, because that's what you, Emily, have been reporting on for a couple of years now. What are the big takeaways from the new NAEP scores on reading? Well, big picture, it's not a happy story. Uh, Since the last time this test was given two years ago, scores are down nationally in reading in both fourth and eighth grades. Scores were down pretty much across the board for students in different demographic groups. Uh, white, Black, Hispanic, Native American students all lost ground in reading since the last time this test was given. There's been a decrease in the percentage of students who are considered proficient readers. There's also been a decrease in the percentage of students who can read on a basic level. So more than a third of fourth graders on this, rose, on this most recent test scored below basic on reading and 27% of eighth graders scored below basic. And again, this is more kids below basic than two years ago, so the trend is down. And when you look longer term at the trend over the past decade or so, it's not good news either. What you see is that the lowest achieving students are falling further and further behind, and progress in reading has basically stalled among the highest performing readers. Well, when you look at these dismal results, what do you see? What do you think might be going on, Emily? Well, clearly what we're doing when it comes to helping students become skilled readers isn't working very well. Uh, We've spent billions of dollars as a nation over the past few decades trying to improve reading. And test scores are not much higher than they were back in 1992 when the current NAEP reading test began. It's really hard to measure cause and effect in education generally, and, and certainly that's the case with reading specifically. 
There are, you know, lots of moving parts. There's lots of factors to consider when it comes to student achievement. Interestingly, though, the long-term trend line is much better for math than it is for reading. Students across the country have made some pretty big gains in math since the early 1990s, but like I said, not the same kind of gains in reading. In a press conference yesterday, a federal education official presenting the NAEP data said, we don't seem to know how to move the scores for reading, but we do for math. And that comment struck me because as I found in my reporting, and, and we just recently discussed on this podcast, there is a ton of research on reading, like a mountain of scientific evidence on how skilled reading works and what kids need to learn to become good readers. From what I know, the scientific research on reading is much more robust, more luminous than the research on math. I actually quoted an expert in our documentary, Hard Words, who said, reading is the most studied aspect of human learning. But this research is not, for the most part, making its way into schools or schools of education. In fact, as I reported in our most recent documentary, At a Loss for Words, teachers are actually being taught things about how reading works that are at odds with what the scientific research says. And while there's, you know, there's no way to draw a direct line between something like NAEP reading results and the failure of this scientific research to make its way into schools, there's no way to do that. But I think it's something more educators and politicians need to be looking at and considering. I think more educators and politicians need to understand the basics of this reading science and then look hard at what's going on in their schools and in their teacher preparation programs. And ask the question, why isn't this science informing reading instruction more deeply and more broadly? How might we be doing as a nation in reading if teachers knew this science and had good support and materials to be able to implement it in their classrooms? What I, what I found in my reporting is that reading instruction in many schools is pretty far off the mark when you compare it to what the research suggests about how reading should be taught. We need a much more serious and nuanced nationwide discussion, I think, about what the science actually says. And we clearly need to be doing something differently because what the research shows is that virtually all kids can become decent readers. We're not likely to get all kids to be proficient readers, but we should not be in a situation where one in three kids in this country cannot even read on a basic level. This imbalance between uh, the scores for reading and math make me wonder a couple of things. Whether math is somehow easier to learn for our species or perhaps easier to teach. Is there any, is there any research on that? Uh, it's an interesting question. It was actually asked yesterday at the National Press Club when these results uh, were being presented. Uh, there were some questions about math. And um, I don't know the answer to that question, and I don't know if the answer is known, specifically about the question of whether it's more natural for us to learn it. I don't think the answer to that would be yes, because if you think sort of evolutionarily speaking, there wasn't a reason we needed to be able to do math way, way back, just like there wasn't a reason for us to be able to read way, way back because we hadn't invented reading and writing and numbers yet. Um, there's been a lot of work done and a lot of focus on math in this country. And so maybe some of those efforts are working. Maybe we've figured out something better about how to teach math and how to help teachers teach math. That said... There are plenty of people I hear from all the time who write to me and say, can you please do for math what you've done for reading? <laughs> because in their mind, uh, a lot of math instruction is not being well informed by the scientific evidence on how people learn math. And again, it's not a topic that I am intimately familiar with. But you would think we might, some kids would have a hard time in math if they're not good at reading, because a lot of math actually requires reading. And that was asked uh, yesterday at the National Press Club, and there was not a good answer to that question.
There were a couple of bright spots in the NAEP data, and they were locations that might be surprising because they're not famous for having um, the most amazing school systems. Washington, D.C. was one. Its reading scores among eighth graders were up, and it was the only jurisdiction in the nation to show gains in eighth grade reading. What do you think is going on in D.C.? Yeah, yay, D.C.! And yay, Nationals, by the way. They had a big World Series win last night. <laughs> we should let people know that Emily lives in uh, suburban Washington. So I certainly do. So I was up late. Uh, so I have not personally reported on what's going on in D.C. when it comes to reading instruction in particular. It's It clearly seems to be a district to watch. As you noted, uh, they have for a long time been struggling. So often it's easier to make gains when you have been at the bottom of the pile. Uh, again, and, and there's no way really to sort of draw a direct line between any particular policy or investment or effort and gains on a test like NAEP. But I can tell you a little bit about what D.C. has been doing and what officials there point to in terms of their success. Uh, the school's chancellor uh, credited the district's improvement on reading on several factors, including the creation about 10 years ago of universal free preschool. The kids who were among the first eligible for that program are the kids who just took that eighth grade reading test. So again, there is no way to know if preschool deserves any of the credit, but there certainly is research that shows high-quality preschool contributes to long-term improved outcomes for kids. Um, the D.C. Schools Chancellor also credited higher teacher pay that he says has allowed the district to attract top teachers at a time of teacher shortages across the country. Again, there's no way to know for sure if that was a factor here with reading in particular. Uh, but gains in something like reading are likely attributable to many factors. So that may be one. Something else that the chancellor pointed out that was interesting to me was an investment in more field trips and out-of-school experiences, and also efforts to teach vocabulary and build knowledge among D.C. public schools kids. And this is, this is really important. As we've talked about in our reporting, there are two basic dimensions to reading comprehension. On one side of the kind of equation is your ability to identify words in print. Do you know the sounds that the letters represent? Can you successfully sound out a word and identify what it is? This is crucial. Good readers have good phonic skills. This is what research shows. This is why people who know the science of reading call for an early emphasis on phonic skills. But when it comes to reading comprehension, the other side of the equation is knowing the meaning of the words you just sounded out. For this, kids need a good oral vocabulary and a good base of knowledge so that when they sound out a word, they know what the word means and they have a knowledge base to help them understand what all the words are saying, the overall meaning of the text. So one of the interesting things to note in the DC scores is that their gains at the eighth grade level were largely driven by Hispanic students. Hispanic students increased their scores significantly since 2017. Black students had just a one-point increase on the exam, and the scores among white students actually went down by a point. So DC is doing something that seems to be helping its Hispanic students in particular. Now, many of those students come from homes likely where English is not the first language. It stands to reason that explicit efforts to help kids expand their oral vocabulary could have a disproportionately positive impact on Hispanic students. Again, there's no way to know this for sure, but this particular piece of data caught my attention. Well, another bright spot in the data was Mississippi. 
where you have spent a lot of time uh, there last year reporting on what they are doing to improve reading in the state. Tell us the news about Mississippi's NAEP scores and what you think might be going on down there. Yeah, yay for Mississippi. They were really the big news yesterday. They don't have a baseball team to win a World Series, but they are making big gains in reading and people are paying attention. Mississippi was actually the only state to make gains on the fourth grade reading test, the only state in the entire nation to improve fourth grade reading. Fourth graders in Mississippi are now reading at the national average. That is huge news because for a long time, Mississippi has been at the bottom. Kids there were way underperforming in reading. And while Mississippi has been gaining, states that have traditionally performed really well are actually losing ground. In high-performing states like Massachusetts and Maryland, where I live, reading scores actually went down. So... What's going on in Mississippi? Again, all the caveats. There's no way to directly link NAEP test score gains to any particular policy or effort. But Mississippi stands out because it is the only state that I know of that is making a broad and concerted effort to teach teachers and teacher educators the science of reading. Mississippi has spent millions of dollars and countless hours over the last several years making educators aware of the scientific evidence on reading and helping them put it into practice. The state superintendent of education, Carrie Wright, credited the state's teachers for the score gains. Well, they're the reason it all happened. Uh, They've got to be excited. Uh, It's a great time to be in Mississippi with education. Uh, You know, long told story was Mississippi's always been last and, you know, we're not. We tell some of the story of what Mississippi has been doing uh, in our 2018 documentary, Hard Words, as you just mentioned. And we focused in that program in particular on efforts to teach college professors the science of reading, that is, to teach the people who teach the teachers what 40-plus years of scientific research has revealed about how reading actually works. There's widespread agreement among many experts that a major impediment to improving reading instruction in this country is that teachers are not being taught the science of reading in their teacher prep programs because instructors in colleges of education don't know this science. And in some cases, they actually actively resist it. When I mentioned before that there are two sides to the reading equation, on one side is your ability to like identify words in print, and on the other side is whether you know the meaning of those words. That equation to explain the basics of how skilled reading works is called the simple view of reading. And it was first proposed in 1986, which is a long time ago. That simple view of reading has been confirmed in many research studies since. But a few years ago, a woman doing a study of teacher prep in Mississippi interviewed deans, faculty, and students across the state, and she found that not a single one of them had ever heard of the simple view of reading. This is one of the things that prompted the state to take high-level action to make sure teachers and their college professors are aware of the reading science. So how are educators and politicians reacting to this new test score data about reading? What are they going to do with the, the findings? It all gets very political very fast. I was actually noticing this morning that some of the news articles on the NAEP results were actually slugged and categorized in the politics sections and not as education stories. Education is political and test scores are especially political. And a lot of the response that I've been reading seems a bit predictable. Some people, when they look at these reading scores, they blame poverty. They say American kids aren't reading well because of growing inequality and factors beyond what schools can control. And it's certainly true that poverty has an impact on school achievement. 
and on reading achievement in particular. If you think about the simple view of reading that I mentioned earlier, it's pretty clear. Half of the equation when it comes to reading comprehension is vocabulary and background knowledge. And we know that family background can have a big impact on that. Some kids come into school knowing the meaning of lots and lots of words, and they may have the advantage of all kinds of enriching out-of-school experiences that help them develop knowledge about the world, like trips to museums and trips to foreign countries, enrichment activities, the benefit of highly educated parents who may know a lot, who may spend a lot of time reading to them, who may use more sophisticated vocabulary in conversation. So kids from more educated and more affluent homes tend to have an advantage on the language comprehension side of the reading equation. But plenty of those kids still struggle when it comes to reading because the decoding side of things is challenging for them. One reason for that might be something like dyslexia, which makes it especially difficult to understand the ways that sounds in words are represented by letters. But kids can struggle with decoding because they're not taught how to do it. By some estimates, a third of struggling readers are from college-educated families. To get more kids to be more successful with reading, schools need to be paying close attention to both sides of that equation, teaching kids decoding and teaching them vocabulary and building their knowledge. And here's the thing. If you teach a kid how to read words in the early grades, if you make sure they have solid phonics instruction and are able to sound out most of the words they see, You have just given that child the best chance they have to build knowledge and vocabulary. In other words, if you come into school weak on the language comprehension side, but you are taught how to decode, you have just been given the gift that is your best bet for gaining knowledge and vocabulary because you can read the words. This is why I think equity in education begins with good phonics instruction in the early grades. It doesn't end there, but it begins there. So while poverty does play a role in reading development, there's a lot schools can do to help kids overcome those challenges. Now, poverty is one way that reading scores and reading gets political fast. There are other ways, too. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos delivered a a sober speech on the NAEP results at the National Press Club. Let's be honest about what below basic really is. They can't read. And their scores are getting worse. In case you're missing the obvious, that, my friends, is the headline. DeVos was uh, grim-faced and visibly angry as she was talking about these most recent NAEP scores. But she ended up politicizing it, too. Uh, She used the scores to reiterate things that have been at the top of her priority list for a long time, school choice and voucher programs. She specifically shot down the idea that school spending was part of the problem. Uh, All of those things we can debate, and I don't know that there's clear lines one way or the other between those various things and something like uh, declining scores on the NAEP reading test. At the end of the day, DeVos believes that the way to improve education in this country is to decrease the federal role in education and leave decisions to states and local districts. So let's have a serious conversation about the failure and future of the federal role in education. Government has never made anything better or cheaper, more effective or more efficient. And nowhere is that more true than in education. President Trump said that there's no failed policy more in need of urgent change than our government-run education monopoly. He is so right. It's time to try something new. We need to pivot to a policy of freedom. 
I don't know if DeVos is right about that when it comes to improving reading instruction in particular. What I have been finding in my reporting is that schools and districts and sometimes individual teachers actually have lots of freedom to do what they want when it comes to teaching reading. Most early grades teachers report that they actually design a lot of their own curriculum or that they are sort of picking and choosing from a little bit of this and a little bit of that and stuff they find on the Internet. First of all, that's a huge amount of work for teachers. They have to teach and be curriculum developers. I think that's partially a problem there. But another problem there is I don't know that there's such a thing as a perfect curriculum. Like there's no program that's going to teach all kids to read, something that every school can go out and buy and everyone will become a good reader. Teachers teach kids to read, but they need materials and training that are grounded in this massive research base on how reading actually works. And I don't know if local control and leaving things up to states and schools and lots of freedom actually end up moving the nation towards more science-aligned choices in large part because so many people just don't know about the evidence base. So if you're leaving it to people to decide what they don't know about this evidence base, you're going to have a problem, which is why I think the nation might want to take a page from Mississippi and start teaching the science to teachers and to teacher educators. I think this is a gigantic first step in moving things in the right direction when it comes to reading. Well, it may seem obvious that learning to read is important to a person's education. What are, the, what are the life consequences of being a struggling reader? Why do these recent results, these NAEP results, provoke so much alarm? I think they provoke a lot of alarm in part for those political reasons like, oh, no, we're failing or, oh, we're doing worse than other nations or, oh, we're doing worse before. Or, oh, we've spent money and we haven't gotten good results. And all those things are really important. But I think the reason people really should be nervous about these reading scores in particular is because knowing how to read really matters and early reading instruction really matters. I mean, reading is the foundation upon which all academic learning is built. You need reading in your daily life in so many ways to navigate so many things that you need to be able to do as an adult. When kids don't get, to get off to a good start in reading, it can affect everything in their life. Kids are often deeply ashamed and embarrassed about the fact that they have a hard time reading. Reading problems quite often lead to anxiety, to depression. I have heard from a number of parents around the country who have told me that their kids who are struggling to read have said to them, I want to die. They have said, I want to kill myself because I can't read. And these kids are as young as seven, eight, nine years old. And I hear this repeatedly from parents. Research shows that early reading problems can lead to behavior problems in schools. Reading can lead to disengagement from school. It can lead to dropping out of school. When kids struggle to read, they often fall behind in other subjects. Reading issues, as we've talked about before, they're a big factor when it comes to ending up in the criminal justice system. There are just so many reasons we have to get reading right in the early grades for all kids, but perhaps especially for kids from lower income families. They're more likely to struggle with reading for the reasons I described earlier. And when they aren't taught to read in school, they don't have any backup. They don't have parents who can pay for tutors or specialized private schools. Some parents end up paying tens of thousands of dollars on tutors in private schools. I have interviewed many of them. No parent should have to do that. Reading is so basic and so fundamental. Schools need to be able to get it right, and they clearly are not. And that is unfair to kids, and really it's unfair to teachers. I haven't met a teacher who does not want to teach her students how to read. But you cannot teach what you don't know. 
It's 2019, and we now have this gigantic evidence base on how reading works and how to teach it. And it's really, it's way past the time for all educators to be taught this science and to use it in their classrooms every day. Emily Hanford is the senior education correspondent for APM Reports and is a widely recognized authority on the teaching and learning of reading. Emily, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. You may have been following Emily's reporting over the last two years. Then and now it has sparked an important national discussion. This is the impact that thorough, fact-based reporting can have. Few newsrooms are lucky enough to have reporters like Emily, who look in depth at our education system and ask hard questions. APM Reports and the Educate podcast do. And we're part of American public media, which means our work is supported by the public. This means you play a vital role in powering this reporting and keeping it independent. Please show your support and give what you can today at apmreports.org donate. Emily's audio documentaries about reading, along with more information on the reading science and a list of her sources, are available at apmreports.org reading. Alex Baumhart and Chris Julin produced the podcast. This episode was edited by Catherine Winter and mixed by Veronica Rodriguez. We partner with The Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM.